0: Hey guys, welcome back to the next episode of Physique Science Radio. We have actually got a really fun guest uh, today. I, I almost feel like it's almost like kind of an Inception episode because our guest is actually also a podcast host of, and he's got his own radio show. Um, it's a
1: podcast inside a podcast. Yes,
0: it is. <laughs> so we've stolen him away from his own show this time. We've got Ben Kumar on board. Ben, how are you?
2: Hello, I'm good. Um, add in a bit of uh, British magic. Yes. That American tone you got over there.
0: I'm actually just starting to recognize the difference between Australian accents, and I'm probably you're probably rolling your eyes right now. I didn't know yeah, I until, I'm just starting to learn the difference between Australian and British accents. It's really yeah. hard to pick up.
1: Oh, it's actually not Once you've been. It's, it's, yeah. You think? Oh, yeah.
0: Maybe it's just me then. I haven't but been Austin around much. The-
1: so like analogous to, for example, like somebody from, so the UK would be somebody from the Northeast or, or even just kind of typical America. And Australia would be somebody from the deep South. Oh, deep South is
0: very, yeah. That's how I would kind of. Okay. (laughs) But I think I've been, um, so the, the way that this episode came about is that I, so the past few months you know, ever since Lane and I ha- launched our own Physique F- Science Radio podcast, which is this, um, I've been kind of looking for other podcasts to listen to in my spare time, You know, both to learn from other people, but also to learn more about like how to be a better podcast host. And I stumbled across Ben Coomer. I'd heard of him a few years back. And then I started downloading his uh, episodes on iTunes. Turns out he's got like hundreds Right? How many do you have? Like almost two hundred or hundred something episodes no, but I think we're at
2: hundred and thirty two yeah. this week.
0: A lot of episodes. So I just started downloading and downloading and downloading. And then I just start listening, you know, when I'm folding laundry or doing anything like driving somewhere to drop my dogs off somewhere. And then I started noticing. I'm like, man, this guy's really good at what he does. Um, so I started picking up little tips and little tricks that he does when he hosts. And then I finally said, You know what? I think it would be really fun to have him on our podcast. So here he is.
2: Well, thank you for having me, and uh, obviously I've been in the company of Lane um, when he came over to the UK, right. so uh, Lane, well, you know, it's good to talk to you again, old boy.
1: Good to talk to you too. I'm sure it was a miserable two weeks for you, being in my company. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that be silly.
0: All right, Ben. For those of the for the listeners who may not be too familiar with you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us about how you got into the fitness industry. Um, what are you doing primarily ma- besides hosting podcasts?
2: Well, uh, in the world of fitness, um, I got into it all because I was really fat when I was younger. Essentially, um, I was an obese teenager. Really struggled um, with the kind of weight loss journey when I decided to actually try and get uh, myself into shape I was trying to follow all the government's advice to nutrition run a lot and I was Uh, getting nowhere and then I fell into the hands of a great trainer when I realized I had to really do something about it my results were getting me nowhere where I felt like I was putting in so much effort and he initially put me onto the work of Paul Czech, which I think is a you know great holistic practitioner and, you know, I just started to apply a more natural way of eating. I started to weight train. I started to condition myself better and the weight just fell off. And as a result of kind of my journey, um, I ditched a career which was going in in the direction of acting. Um, I've been doing that ever since Great. I was the age of eight. And I decided to pick up fitness. And I was very fortunate that my parents had a little kitty of university money. And I said, look, I don't want to go to drama school anywhere anymore i want to want to go and study nutrition, so I studied at the Czech Institute you know I oh, flew yeah. over to America, California, and studied I did some stuff in Norway and I, I kind of really advanced myself quickly because I was fortunate enough to have you know some money put aside for me so you know mm-hmm. that was a gift in in itself and then I kind of went to be a personal trainer realized I really didn 't enjoy it being a personal coach, I went to university to study human performance. And alongside that, I kind of learned through the International Society of Sports Nutrition, mm-hmm. um, the advanced metabolic typing concepts and all sorts. Of, I just immersed myself in every nutritional kind of concept I could. Mm-hmm. And at that time when I was at uni, there was a lot of stuff happening online. And I was like, do you know what? I'd, I'd love to have an online business. I can yeah. work from home in my underpants. You know, uh, <laughs> it'd be great. So... Um, I just kind of moved into the online world because I was doing some coaching at uni and again I just didn't like the one-to-one thing, it just didn't suit me uh, despite being a good successful coach and the rest is history and now um, I run a personal trainers uh, two-year development program where we take them through um, a two-year journey of of nutrition and training your clients better, um, the Body Type Nutrition Academy. I've got the podcast, I do a lot on YouTube, Um, I kind of dabble around in the transdermal supplement market and then run a few different kind of uh, mass coaching programs in the UK.
0: Mm -hmm. So would you say that everything you do right now is based online?
2: Yeah, it's all online, 100%, unless I'm speaking at a big event. I do quite a lot of public speaking, it's a massive Massive passion of my work. It's you know, it's just really cool. Um, so aside from that, the, the the seminar thing is the only thing I do in person. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know what? The the one thing I noticed when I was listening to you speak just now, t- telling us about your journey, was. Um, The fact that you take, you'd had a very unique route into the fitness industry. And I know Lane gets a ton of emails and I do too about from readers saying, how do I do, you know, I want to do what you do. I want to have an online presence. I want to build a career for myself in the fitness industry. How do I do it? Give me the steps. And it's such a loaded question because there's no straight answer. I mean, I I took one, you know, I took one path, Lane took another path, and you have a completely different path also. But I think the one common theme that you'll notice is that We are continually trying to learn and, and, you know, learn new things, um, get certified. You know, I guess we all have our ISSN, CISSN now, and, you know, we want to connect with other individuals, and there's constant self-improvement happening.
2: Well, I think it's interesting because, you know, people will come up to you and they'll sort of say, oh, you know, this stuff you do is, is so online. And I suppose it's it's kind of almost this slightly celebrity image because, you know, we'll put up a, a photo of ourselves or what we're doing or anything. And, you know, thousands of people will like it. And people just assume that along with that comes like great finances and free, <laughs> and, you know, free clothes arriving in the post. Right. But oh, just, gosh. It's just a method that we've used to spread our message, and it's no better than a coach doing coaching one-to-one in a gym and helping people that way. And I think what what when people come up to me and ask for that, they're quite often lost and don't really know how and why, where they want their career to take them. They just assume that is the done thing. Right.
1: Yeah, I, I wanted to bring up, uh, touch on something So he said about getting into the industry and, and uh, you know, your unique route. And people ask me, well, how did you do it? How you? you know, I think people want this blueprint. You know, exactly. it's like if you want to go be a doctor or a physician, there's a blueprint to go do that. I mean, it's not easy, but there's a blueprint. You know what I mean? You, you get good enough grades. You do well on your MCAT. You, you get into, you know, medical school. Graduate medical school. I mean, there's a blueprint to do that. Um, there's no blueprint, really, for being an entrepreneur. Oh, my gosh. There's work, no
0: blueprint. Just figure it out. Work hard.
1: And I, I think there's a quote by Steve Jobs that I heard that really made a lot of sense to me. You guys will probably um, really appreciate this. He said, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You mm-hmm. can only connect them looking backwards. I like that. So you have to trust that they're going to connect in your favor. And for me... That's kind of like if you would have told me 15 years ago, this is where I would be, what I'm doing. I have a lot of cool stuff in the pipeline I can't really talk about yet, but uh, that, that's gonna ch- it's basically going to change my whole business and what I do. Um, but if you have told me 15 years ago that was going to happen, you, or you would have said, I want you to get to this. Go, go get to this in 15 years. I would have said, I, I, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, no idea. I, I can't do that. There's no way to do that and uh, but I didn't look at the, the end dot I just said okay what's the dot in front of me what can I do right now you know how can I and it goes back to the education thing and, and learning and, and trying to you know just improve yourself constantly um, if you're always pushing yourself if you're always trying to learn know um, well, that stuff's going to take care of itself and most people that aren't successful in business it's not because they didn't have enough money I mean well at the end of the day it may be that but it's, it's not because, you know, mommy and daddy were, were not as rich as everybody else or it's not because um, they, they they just didn't have the brakes fall the way they did. It's just because they kept going and kept pushing themselves when everybody else said, nope, you know what? I'm done. This is too hard.
0: Mm-hmm. I think entrepreneurship is, oh my God. I mean, it's such a scary area and I totally understand it. I think when I fell into what I do now, I didn't realize, I, I wasn't thinking, Oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. It was just I don't want to do any any of these, you know, career. I don't want to follow any of these career paths that I thought I wanted to do. I did not want to be a doctor. I don't want to, you know, be an athletic trainer. And then I just started kind of slowly moving in the direction of online coaching and writing. And I look back and I realize, you know, I was really playing to my strengths and my strength, I think, um, is writing and for Ben, I noticed, it's public speaking, I think, um, which is why yeah. your, I think your podcast is so popular. Like, Ben, you said it's the most popular podcast in all of UK? Um,
2: it's been, it's been number one for a while, yeah. Yeah,
0: so, and, and with good reason, if you take, if you listen to his podcast, watch any of his YouTube videos, you will see that he is very good at speaking, he's very good at what he does. Same for Lane, playing to his strengths and I think, uh, for a lot of people, just finding what that is um, and r- really just saying, you know, not everyone's meant to write and that's okay. Not everyone's meant yep. to be on radio and that's completely okay. Just do, you know, find what you're really good at and, and work on that.
2: To, to kind of, you know, building on your point, we you mentioned entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur. It's like people almost talk about it as if it's a job title. The, but the problem is being an entrepreneur is simply a set of habits and a mindset. Yeah,
0: and absolutely and people, mindset. people see
2: this is like, um, it's almost like you have to go and read a book and transfer your thoughts. And you, you, you instantly have this kind of package that makes you uh, some kind of unique individual. But you know, it's just like fitness and developing an incredible physique. Like if you were going to step on stage, you would look at the final package and you would go, right, to get to that point in time, I need a diet window, I need a training plan, I need to peak and I need to deload and I need to do X, Y and Z. And you develop a set of habits and protocols that get you to that end goal. And it's like if you wanted to change direction in your career or your business, you you kind of look at the end goal and you say right well I need to change my habits now but I'm going to need to be quite focused I need to develop a very rigid mindset I need to start um, maybe writing every day I need to go yes. and contact this person every day and it's just you realign your kind of your habits to create essentially what you want to create and that's the same in fitness it's the same in business
1: yeah and I think that the, the two points from that is you know so he said you play to your strengths and that that is true. And you will naturally do that. But the other thing, too, is like a lot of even if like let's say my passion is writing, which it's not, by the way. I hate <laughs> <laughs> so he knows this, um, which I'm glad we, we compliment each other. Well, because she loves to write. But um, if you really want to do something and you find that you're, you're lacking at that, and you want to get better at it, um, you know, work on bettering yourself. Like it's not always going to come easy. Um, scientific writing was actually really tough for me. Uh, it's very tedious, very difficult to write a scientific, scientific paper, especially for me. And it was just something I had to, I talked to Dr. Lehman, my advisor a lot, um, had him go over it with me. You know, he used to, oh man, I would send him a paper that I wrote and he would send it back and it would be covered in red, you know, but it made me better at it. And, um, I'm on this really big kick right now of listening to motivational speeches. And, uh, one of my favorite people is, uh, Les Brown. And, uh, Les Brown said, um, "You know, you got something you want to do, you want to build, you want to create, and you don't know how to do it. Well, learn. You know, find some people who can teach you some stuff. Read some books. Like, find a way to do it. You know, the the, the and the other Steve Jobs quote I I, I really like is he said, um, you know, everybody who makes up this thing that you call life um, was is no smarter than you are.' So people think that yes. you know they, that they just." You know, their job is just to live their life inside the world, don't bump into too many walls, you know, just just exist essentially. And it's like, no, um, the people that went out and did, yeah, there's some people who have more skill in certain areas and all that kind of all that kind of stuff. But you don't think there was other people who were as skilled as as Steve Jobs or had that kind of talent? Of course there was. He was just one of the only guys who was like willing to sit there and do it. There's plenty of guys who were. Who were born with a lot of skill. You don't think there's been ever somebody born with the same skill level as Michael Jordan? He just, he was the first guy in and the last guy out of practice. He just grinded it out and made it work. So, you know, for those of you looking to make it in the fitness industry, I think all three of us would agree. Um, you know, if you want to make it, just work harder than everybody else you know, and then you'll have a good chance.
0: Yeah, and stay <laughs> consistent.
2: I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Consistency is huge. I think. I think all three of us would sit here and go, it's really odd because you kind of pray for the day where people realize that quite often hard work is the answer to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's study, whether it's practice, whatever, you know, we're 131 episodes in on our podcast and we get still get questions where my answer is just like, you need to do that for longer. You just need to work a bit harder, you need to learn it, you need to craft it, you need to build it, you know, whatever. And um I dunno, sometimes you kinda of bang your head against the wall and I just everyone perceives that, you know, what you did took six months a year when really it six months to twelve months was kind of like the rapid growth phase, but they didn't see the five the five years of crafting just like a physique
1: Exactly. That's I get that all the time. Somebody, somebody who just found me or whatever, they will be like, "Oh man, you like came out of nowhere." I'm like, "Well, <laughs> if really. by nowhere you mean fifteen years of grinding, then yes, I came out of nowhere." You know, like, and that's that's the same thing. There, there's very few. Um, there are no overnight sensations. Right. There may, they may be overnight in what you see, but trust me, they've been grinding for a long period of time. But I think that just the way things are portrayed in society, we're so used to things happening fast um, that we get this perception that you can become great fast. And the, there's actually research on how, like how long does it take you to become an expert at something? It takes 10,000 hours at least. So whatever you want to do, like like putting a golf ball, you want to become an expert in putting? 10,000 hours. You want to become an expert in weightlifting? 10,000 hours, <laughs>
0: right.
1: you know? PhD, ten thousand hours. Like it's that's approximately how long it is. Some people may be more, some people may be less, but it's gonna take a long friggin' time. And like Ben said, I think that's a great, great point, Ben. And I get that a lot too. People are, man, why am I why am I not making this progress? Well, you know, why am I why can't I get the, the biceps I want or whatever? And it's like, dude, you just need to do it for longer. <laughs> like it's it's I, I you know, we have the slogan out work. You know, that's a big slogan that's been attached to me and basically, you know, the idea behind it is, you know, you may not be the most gifted, the strongest, the best genetics, whatever, but you can control your work ethic and so you can work hard than everybody else. Well, there's a lot of people who work really hard for a really short period of time, okay? There's very few people who outlast. Like part of success is outworking and part of it is outlasting because most people, it's not intensity of work that drives them away. It's duration of work that drives me yes. away. Um, uh, Les, Les Brown said that. He said, you know, it's easy to, to have a larger vision and have faith when you're healthy, your, be- your bills are paid, uh, you have healthy relationships. It's easy. Anybody can have be motivated. Anybody can have faith then. He's like, lose your job, get diagnosed with cancer, lose a family member, then let's see how motivated you can stay, Right. And that's what really makes that. But that's what makes all the difference. Nice. I love, yeah,
0: I love that. You know, I especially the thing about, um, I mean, I see so many parallels with fitness goals. Like, let's say you want to lose some fat and, and entrepreneurship. There's so many parallels. Like, you know, I had a, um, a client not too long ago who was making incredible progress Two weeks and she's lost two weeks, two inches off her waist, which is, I mean, for two crazy. weeks, yeah, that's crazy good. But then she comes back to me and says, "Oh, this is not fast enough to me. For me, I quit <laughs> after two weeks." And I was sitting there like, "You, I was, I mean, I was, I was at loss for worse. I just, I was, I don't yeah. understand. I mean, if she had just stuck with congratulations, that,
1: congratulations, you're an idiot. Well,
0: <laughs> I didn't say quite those words, but
1: <laughs> well, I can't. She's not my client. I
0: well, I said, you know, if you had just stuck with this for long enough you would have made some incredible incredible changes you know and the same thing goes with with following your passions and and building a career of your own if you you know maybe day by day you make incremental changes and you make what seems like slow progress to you that's fine you just have to keep going and i think the 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 number one thing that people are most afraid of is messing up is they're afraid of making mistakes because they 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 make a mistake and they're like oh my god i'm done and they don't realize people like you know ben and lane and and myself as well i don't think they realize how many times have we messed up in our careers right
1: (laughs) all the time but we don't
0: we don't i mean the reason they don't see it because we're not like always talking about it
1: not career how about this (laughs) week yeah
0: seriously all the time sometimes you know I make a business decision and it ends up being a bad decision and I'm like, oh, oh well, just change course. You learn from it and you move on and that's, you start, you know, don't take things personally. I think that's something that I'm always working through is, you know, whenever something happens to you, whenever whatever anyone says to you, you have a bad client relationship and they say something yep. bad about you, don't take it personally, just learn from it and move on um, but that's really, really hard to do.
1: It is. Well, your business is personal. You own your business. Yeah, it's, it's your baby. It's your baby. It is personal. Uh, I had a Discussion with some friends of mine last week about about that that you know we we were kind of working through some stuff and um, you know they they it was we were we were good on a personal level but business wise we had some decisions that were kind of butting heads. And oh my for, gosh! <laughs> for all of us, it was it was hard to not to take it personal. You know what I mean? So uh, we worked through it, but yeah, I mean it's 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 you know I understand that because it's it's hard not to take it personal when it's your baby.
0: Oh, yeah. And Ben, I'm sure you've been through something similar as well.
2: Oh, hugely. Both, you yeah. know, like with my body and, you know, financially with business, you know, the amount of mistakes that I've made that have cost me tens of tens of thousands oh, of pounds. I
0: know all about that. <laughs> and
2: I can I can count on two hands. But, you know, and if, if we had to get kind of real about what we're talking about here, I think people and the fitness industry as a whole really need to get their head around how much Everything that encompasses kind of success with a body, with a business, whatever it might be, is all about mindset. And, you know, I know Lane, I love Lane's um, Instagram posts, which I regularly um, kind of engage with because, you know, he talks so much about getting a goal, focusing on the goal, don't listening to other people, being stubborn, sometimes having to be selfish, all this kind of stuff. And it's, it's exactly the same on whatever level we're talking about with success in that if you have no handle on your own mindset, you have- have no handle on the thoughts that you have every day, the mm-hmm. thoughts that you need to cultivate to move you to the, the next positive place. You will never succeed. It's literally impossible because your mind controls everything that you do on a daily basis, and you know your your mind can be something that will literally crush you if you're not in a positive and habitual place where at least a positivity.
0: Yeah, I really like that. I think uh, I love mindset. I love talking about, especially fitness mindset. But even when it comes to you know chasing your dreams, I think that you know so often we we're so negative. We're so hard on ourselves. I mean, we talk about, oh, bullying is bad. We can't bully others, but you don't realize that the biggest victim. Yeah. The biggest victim is yourself. You, you don't realize when you talk down to yourself, you are bullying yourself. And I think it's one thing to have a negative thought. And then it's a whole nother thing to actually believe it. So I want to, you know, encourage people when you have negative thoughts, just question those thoughts, question your beliefs.
1: Here comes, here comes a Les Brown quote. (laughs) Uh, So he, he said, um, you know, he said, I had to, you know, you have to talk to yourself and, and, and put and condition your mind because sometimes the only positive things you will hear about yourself are the things you say about you. Okay. And you know, he's like, I tried to convince myself I could be a businessman after flopping and failing and losing thousands of dollars. And I, had to, you know, I said, I said, I can't do this. You know, I say, and I have to say, Whoa, 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 pull yourself together. You can do this. You just haven't figured it out yet. You know, just even if you have to talk to yourself like that every day, I'm, I've been telling people recently, you uh, know, I, I am actually a negative person by, by – people don't believe this, but I'm actually a negative person by default. So I have to condition myself to be positive um, because otherwise I'll wake up and I'll see one thing on Facebook or on my email or something, and I'll be negative for the rest of the day, right? Uh, it'll set my whole tone for the day. And so what I do is I'll wake up and I'll listen to a motivational speech or I'll listen to something positive um, to condition my mind, to talk to myself. Uh, because otherwise you you will fall into that trap of of constantly beating yourself up. And that's uh, a great African proverb said, if there is no enemy within, the enemy outside can do us no harm.
0: Oh, wow, that's powerful.
1: And then another one from Les Brown was, someone else's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. And that's and
2: I I read that this week and I loved that.
1: Yeah, Um, it's so true. We only give people... Their negative opinions. We only give them value if we internalize them.
2: Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. And do you know, what? it's it's interesting having spent time with you, Lane, when we we're on tour, and that I got quite an insight, obviously, into you know the way that you thought, just because of it being around you. And you're right. There was often comments you would make about the stuff that we were doing, because we were obviously presenting a lot. And it it you you kind of intimated that. You almost second-guessed yourself some of the time in that I oh, was what I doing good? Did I deliver value? Did people like it? And it's yeah. like you say that there's that default switch in you that's kind of like oh well, you know, perhaps people aren't going to like that. There's that kind of negative aspect, but you know, I think everyone has that demon somewhere inside them, sure. and. We choose our thoughts and our thoughts program our actions. And I think what's really interesting about the fitness industry as a whole, and it's been like this as a a while, is people live in false positivity. And I say that because everyone um, is posting on Instagram and fitness about, you know, I smashed my workout, I ate this, had an (laughs) everyday day, this was amazing. And beneath the surface, they're crushed, yeah. But they don't know how to get out of the crushed state because they're, they're living that kind of exuberant personality of mega positivity that fitness brings. And don't get me wrong, fitness is incredible. I love being fit and it empowers people to do great things. But there's got to be a rationale of why you you cultivate your fitness. It can't just be... You know purely aesthetic it's got to have internal and emotional connections of, of why you stay fit and you do the things that you do mm-hmm. because it will always be fictitious it will never really be real um and i you know i've this is something that i've talked about quite a lot recently on my podcast is that um i like to show people that i'm really happy to be vulnerable and i do this yeah. because of am an individual that constantly has to improve himself And I'm helping other people on their journey. So I have to show people my vulnerability and the processes that I'm going through that shows my weakness and shows my fear. So one of the topics we've been talking about recently is I'm currently seeing a psychotherapist or or getting therapy. And I'm doing that because I'm st- trying to understand some of the, the kind of uh, the programming that my mind has, the, the effect that my childhood has on me, my rationale, where I'm moving in my life and my business, because I want to understand it more. But to understand myself more, I have to be 100% willing to be vulnerable and put it out there, both in a public and a private domain, otherwise I can never break down those barriers.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I actually, I want to get more into that because that's something I think me and Sohi are big on is, is kind of not for lack of a better term, being real. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's, but let's take a break real quick, just so our entrepreneurs, we can get our, our sponsors paid and, uh, <laughs> and uh, talk we'll about honest. Fight. Yeah, exactly. Hey, don't take my monies. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll be right back on physique science radio. Hey guys, Lane here. Well, you all know how much I love variety in my diet. I can't stand eating the same bland food every single day. That's why I love www.myoatmeal.com. It's an amazing website where you can go and customize oatmeal. I know, I know, I know. Why would I want to go customize oatmeal? I can eat it right out of the bag. Well, let me tell you why. MyOatmeal.com has 22 billion combinations of flavors and ingredients. You heard me right. 22 billion combinations. Whether you're picking out a pre-made blend or making your own customized blend, they have all kinds of flavors. Want red velvet cake? No problem. Snickerdoodle? You can make it happen. Butter rum? Oh yeah. Cheesecake? You can get it done. And you have all kinds of additives you can add. Apples, raisins, pears, nuts, all kinds of seeds. And you can sweeten it any way you want. Need to eat gluten-free? No problem. They've got it. The best part of it all? The macros are listed as you're customizing your blend. And they change depending on which ingredients you add. Eating a little bit lower carb? No problem. Choose ingredients that make your carb count lower. Need more protein? Add higher protein ingredients. You can customize your blend to make it almost any breakdown that you want, and the prices and macros change as you change your blend. So go on over to www.myoatmeal.com and check out some of the blends that have already been made, or be adventurous and make your own. That's myoatmeal.com. Check it out, guys. Hey guys, many of you out there know I spend a lot of time bagging on bad coaches. And certainly, there's more than enough of those to go around. But a lot of times people ask me who I do recommend. Well, one person we can recommend wholeheartedly is Paul Ravella of Pro Physique. Paul has received more referrals from me over the last two years than any other coach, and with good reason. Paul is competent, professional, caring, and carries himself with a lot of integrity. If you hire Paul, you're going to be getting the very best at a great value. Paul is also one of my closest personal friends, and I can say with absolute certainty I feel 100% comfortable with referring my closest friends and family to him, because I've done that. Paul Ravella of ProPhysique.com. Check him out, guys. Hey guys, you know me, and you know I love cooking up macro-friendly option meals. But sometimes when I'm always on the go, that's just not an option. So when I'm on the go or can't cook a meal, I love Quest Bars. You know I love protein and fiber, and these are packed with 20 grams of high-quality protein and super high in fiber. And it's easy to stay on target when you've got Quest Bars that you can bring with you anywhere. They're delicious compared to other bars that taste like bricks and leave you feeling gassy and bloated. So pick up a bar of Quest Bars today at Questnutrition.com, GNC and Vitamin Shop. Also, follow them on Instagram at Questnutrition and youtube.com slash questnutrition for great recipe ideas to keep you on your goals but eating delicious. Welcome back to Physique Science Radio. I'm your host, Lane Norton, with my co-host Sohee Walsh. Yes, uh, correct. Sohi, that's still so Sohi Lee. <laughs> it doesn't quite roll off the tongue like I used to. So and we're with our, our friend Ben Coomer. And uh, Ben, you, you mentioned something about um, you know the false positivity in the fitness world and, and trying to be vulnerable with your followers. And I think that's really important. Um, you know, I had a I had a journal a while back on bodybuilding.com when I was getting ready for a show. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't overly negative in it or anything like that. I wasn't trying to whine or anything. But when I had a bad day, I would talk about it. Um, and and but near the end of contest prep, when you're low calorie and you don't feel as good. And I just tended to have more bad days than good days. And uh, so I would talk about that. And my feeling, you know, I had a lot of people say, wow, you're you know really kind of a whiner. I said, no, you know, I understand I'm doing this to myself and it's a choice. You know, I get that. But my feeling was, you know what, if I can show people that this is hard for me, uh-huh. they can go, wow, oh, that's hard for Lane Norton. I don't feel so bad about that being hard for me. Um, or the same thing, like I posted the other day about I'm, I'm getting ready for the world championships in powerlifting, but I'm dealing with a back injury. Um, and I don't I don't know if I'm going to be able to go. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And, um, you know, I, I put up a post about that and about, you know, I'm, I'm still going to give everything I have. I'm going to try and heal up and do this stuff. But it's, you know, it's. I think you have to be real with your your followers because if you're not if you're only posting about the great stuff and I see this so often. Everybody's life is great, everybody's life is perfect, but if you don't keep some stuff in there that that keeps it real every once in a while. I mean, to me, I have to unfollow people who I I mean, I've I have people on Instagram or Facebook or whatever who I'll see them post something and I have to unfollow them because I'm like, I know you and I know you're full of crap. Like I know that they're, you know, they're separated from their, their, their spouse or their, you know, that they're, they're binging after, after, you know, Mm. cheat days or, or not, not, you know, not to pick on anybody like that, but um, just basically, I know that they're, and they're putting off this, this persona that everything's easy for them. And that, that, that harms people because that they look at that somebody who's reading who's struggling says, wow, I'll never get to that because they never struggle you know, that Uh I'll never be able to do that. I think Will Smith said it best. He said, you know, greatness is something everybody has in themselves, but everybody thinks it's this wonderful, godlike, esoteric thing that only a blessed few will ever, ever, ever find. And I think that that kind of showing just the perfection in your life or perceived perfection, I think that's a big problem.
2: Well, it only sets people up for failure. Yeah, Yeah, and disappointment. And, and and how many people start on a fitness journey and, you know, after, let's say, two months, jack it in because they've had a couple of dark days and mm-hmm. when Nate Norton did it, every day, <laughs> was, every day was daffodils. Exactly. You know, so I'm a failure. How do I proceed? I don't. I jack it all in. I give up.
1: Exactly. That's exactly right. Whereas if you have some people who say, hey, I went through this hard thing, um you know, I went through this hard thing, you know, it sucked, it was hard, Uh, but hey, I got through it. And somebody else can, when they're going through something hard, they can say, oh, you know, that that maybe, okay, they did it, maybe I can do it.
0: Yeah, and you know, I found that readers um, and people in general, they really love when other people can admit to their own struggles and they can open themselves up and say, hey, look, I'm not perfect. I think there's this illusion of perfection out there, especially for, um, you know, especially on Instagram, the popular, the fitness accounts that you follow, oh, you yeah. think they're all so perfect, but you don't realize it's a very, very, very heavily filtered social media account. Like, you know, they pick and choose what they post on social media and you only get to see the highlight
1: reel. Yep. Yeah. And you, uh, you know, oh my God, well, these people look so great all the time. No, they don't. They took all those pictures they're posting one week after their show. Stop it.
0: Those are old photos and they don't look like that anymore.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it's just I'm glad you brought that up, Ben, because I think that's a really important, important thing to keep in mind, because I I think that people have the wrong perception of that.
2: It's interesting. One of the things I suppose... um, I'm quite proud of with the work that I do in the fitness industry is that whenever I go to an event and I have uh, you know people that like my work come up and meet me, they always, always say to me, oh my God, you look in real life like you do online. Because <laughs> I've never been anyone that's posted like ripped photo you know i'm in yeah, shape yeah. but i'm i'm just a like a normal athletic looking guy i look similar all year round you know i'm I'm not posting ripped photos to try and bring myself in business mm-hmm. or anything and i think really people really appreciate that because you know i i talked about um how much alcohol i drinked a couple of weeks on facebook and some yeah. of the some people went mad and i was like well hang on a minute a i'm being a hundred percent honest yeah. with you B, I freaking love alcohol. (laughs) C, you're the same as me. You're just living in a fantasy world. Um, And I just found it amazing. But I'm like, I'm doing this with you to to enable you to not think that I'm in this perfectly fitness world where everything in my life is easy and all the food is perfect and I never drink and I sleep at 10 o'clock and I have zero stress and all this kind of stuff. It just doesn't happen. But sometimes when you share this stuff with people, you almost shatter the image yeah. that everything is perfect. And I'm like, none of our lives are perfect. Zero.
1: Well, I, th- I think that's interesting, Ben, because one of the big things that I think Sohi and I, one of our big, like, kind of frustrations with people who are, quote unquote, against flexible dieting is, you know, they'll say, well, you know, the, the idea that it's lazy, you know, that, that- uh, <laughs> the fact that your intake is lazy and that you know people you're flexible dieting you're lazy because you're not you know eating clean all the time and, and I always find that funny because it's from people who will I'll then go on their Instagram and I see you know their big cheat meal they had where they probably consumed more junk food in one day than, than I do for the entire week right. you know but somehow that's you know that's hardcore what I do is lazy it's like dude you eat the same stuff I do. The only difference is I'm friggin' real about it. You know what I mean? And um, that's my thing is, as uh, I'll tell people, you know, oh, I'm I'm sorry, you 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 you're never. That's what people say. Well, I'm, I'm i I don't eat carbs. Really, you're never eating carbs ever, <laughs> ever. You know, and it's just kind of funny how that works out. And I think you know, you and I have talked about this because I think people think um, Ben that you and I have difference of opinion, but really we're pretty close together. I mean we're both about kind of moderation and that, you know, if you can get the majority of your foods from, you know, whole foods and, and, and high quality nutrition, mm-hmm. that's great. But you also shouldn't feel terrible about, you know, eating something, you know, indulging in something, but doing it mindfully, you know, and not going crazy with it.
2: Exactly. Uh, it was quite interesting. After the tour that you and me did, um, I got quite a few questions sort of saying that, well, wasn't it a bit weird touring with Lane or you know, <laughs> contradiction because you guys are like totally different and I said no what you're misinterpreting is our backgrounds are different I come from a place in the fitness where I entered it from uh, you know almost a necessity like I got skinny I had ADHD eczema intolerances wow. um, mental lethargy you know I had a laundry list of symptoms that I had to uh, empower myself via nutrition with now Lane's coming from a background where he's in a bit more of the physique world and the, the big problem that he faces is that, that most people are overly dogmatic about their nutrition, don't right. give themselves a break and can't have uh, a burger and a beer in the bar without feeling bad and going mm-hmm. home and purging and binging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our, our, our theories do meet in the middle. It's just our background and our message comes from a different angle because of the population. That we that we come from. I focus a bit more on my kind of health message and performance and optimizing the kind of the, the inner person and the inner health because of just the way nutrition makes me feel and the people that listen to my work. And Lane focuses a bit more on the le- flexibility side because that's what his followers <coughs> need to hear.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And this is, I suppose, you know my only beef with flexible dieting and the people that kind of, you know, really push it and promoting it is that it comes back to that kind of the perfect world scenario is that everyone that's posting stuff about if it fits your macros is the extreme end that it's all about the cheat. It's all about the cake, pop tart. And I'm like, no, you need to tell people that 90% of what you're eating is real food. It's nutrient dense. You're covering your fats, your micronutrition, your fiber, um, because again, otherwise that message is dangerous.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think the I think the problem we get into is it's kind of like counterculture. So uh, I always call this the. It's
0: like hipster. Uh,
1: yeah this this may not this may not um, make sense to Ben, but it makes sense to our U.S. Uh, viewers. I call it the the Tim Tebow effect. Okay, so do you know who Tim Tebow is, uh, Ben, by chance?
2: No, no, I don't.
1: Okay, so he's an American football player that. Was very successful in college, but is very controversial, not because he's a mean guy or anything, but because he's very religious. And, um, you know, if you're, but he was very successful in college, but he's kind of, most people consider him not that talented, but very hard worker. But people are very, very divided about Tim Tebow. People either love him or hate him. And, I, I didn't understand it until I kind of started following him. And I kind of was like, well, you know, I, I like him. He seems like a nice guy. He, he works hard. You know, maybe he doesn't have as much talent as these other guys. But, you know, I he's not, you know, he's a little bit religious, um, a little bit more so than I am. But, you know, that doesn't bother me. But and then I'd see all these people that were talking trash about Tim Tebow. I kind of like, hey, hey, what, what the hell is your problem? You know, this guy's just working hard trying to make it. And it kind of took me to the side I went from being kind of in the middle ground about Tim Tebow to firmly entrenched in Tim Tebow's camp. And I think if you come from the other direction and you say, oh, you know, uh, I don't really feel that one way or another about Tim Tebow, but, you know, he's a little preachy for me and he's really not that good. And he doesn't have that much talent. I don't understand why everybody makes a big deal about him. You know, it makes him out to be the, and then you go online, you see all these people making him out to be the greatest football player since, you know, Joe Montana. You say, what are you, what are you talking about? This guy sucks, you know? And so I think, What happens is people, it's kind of like politics almost. People diverge from the center. Very few people are in the center. They just go to the extremes.
2: Well, after all, extremes in fitness sell.
1: That's true. Oh, yeah. Nobody likes
2: to
0: hear that you have to use moderation.
1: Yeah, that's true. And actually, you know, I'm probably guilty of that a little bit. And, And again, it's kind of like a counter pushback. So I'll see a post about somebody saying, you know, you know, anybody who says you like, a, like a, that idiot Boston Lloyd, anybody who says you can eat, <laughs> you can eat pizza and get shredded is, is full of crap. And, you know, Boston, apparently Boston said um, that he did flexible dieting for like three days. But okay. see, This is what, this is what happens when you don't actually understand what it means and you're, you, it's, your skull is too thick to get it through. Um, he just basically <laughs> ate whatever he wanted for three days did not try. flexible
0: dieting. <laughs> you know,
1: so that was flexible dieting to him because oh, he only knows it from one way. And, and so, like, I would see that, I would go, you know, put up a picture of pizza, and say, oh, look, ate pizza today. Woke up a pound lighter." You know what I mean? Like, just, just as kind of a a, a pushback. And so you can see pretty quickly how people can deviate from center. You know, but I will every every once in a while I'll post a picture of you know tilapia or chicken or something like that. And be like, oh, see, I still do this every once in a while. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that reminds me of, uh, Lane, our our uh, podcast episode a few – when we had our Q&A. And uh, I think we were talking about flexible dieting and nutrition. And we were saying how it's, you know, like we're saying now, it's very misunderstood. And few people actually understand understand that it's actually, you know, primarily whole, minimally processed foods with a small sprinkling of junk food here and there. Um, that's what it really is. But – everyone thinks it's all about junk food and you know i think what i said was you know that's like watching a person get injured while squatting with bad form and then saying oh my god squats are bad for you
1: exactly exactly
0: so uh ben i don't i'm not too familiar with uh your general approach to nutrition but it sounds like you you are like, what, what what is your approach
2: I think I'd classify very much myself as sort of the health guy in that I'm a huge promoter in that um, I always want to create a catch-22 environment in someone's kind of body that if I make them feel good and they sleep good and they're kind of performing good, that they, they kind of get into this cycle where everything becomes really easy because they're energized and I describe it as they feel awesome. So I try and make all my clients and anyone I work with feel awesome. And, you know, the majority of people that I suppose I would see a lot of the time, you know, if we talk about general population, they eat an awful lot of bad food. Mm -hmm. So I need to swing them the other way. And I say, right, I want you to eat a diet full of all this good stuff because I want to show you when you do it, how good you can feel. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to get you to bring in the not so good stuff. We'll call it non-optimal foods. And I'm going to show you. Depending on how much of that you bring in, you're going to lose percentages of how good you feel. Like we know that if you eat a lot of junk food, you're going to have you know dysregulations of energy. Your yeah. blood sugar level is going to be harder to control. There's potentially going to be some um, inflammatory food sources in there because they tend to be uh, slightly more problematic foods because of the overprocessing. So I'm, I'm very much taking people to a point where I want to get all these health variables really optimized and then I kind of bring in the flexibility and sort of say, right, this is how we regain a little bit of normality. This is how I'm going to show you you know, how you go out and have a beer with your friends and still keep with your health and physique goals and you know how we manage the kind of calorie, macronutrient um, impetus around it
0: so it sounds like your coaching revolves primarily around behavior change right um so a
2: a lot of the time yeah because ultimately if we don't change behaviors we can't change the person
0: so do you walk them through um habit change or what, what what specifically do you do
2: well um every time i assess someone i try and find out what what the real problems are so I go real deep and ask people a lot of personal questions about their health their symptoms their sex life all sorts of stuff because it's all glaring indications of how healthy they feel and how they're functioning and then I say right I'm I'm gonna gonna strip your diet right back and you know quite often people will come to me and they do have problems you know they've got symptoms etc so I'm like right i 'm going to do some form of an elimination based approach. I want okay. to find out if there's anything in your diet that is problematic, and the reason why I do this rather than you know send them, sending them away for blood work or some kind of intolerance testing is because again it 's another process where I get a chance to teach them about their body, how their body responds to food, what makes them feel good, what makes them feel bad, the kind of quantities that energizes them. So we go through maybe a 30-day process and then I kind of build these foods um, back in that I might have suspected might be kind of problematic and then we kind of identify problematic foods and we don't. If there's problematic foods and that's connected to the symptom, then we would perhaps, um, look at a kind of a set of supplementation for a period of time to help kind of repair mm-hmm. any potential imbalance or issue. And then as we go on, we start to say, right, these are the foods that you like, let's, let's show you how we bring this in. We start to bring in a few sports nutrition principles and it, all the time we're tying that into a very lifestyle approach to managing all of this.
0: I love that. So it sounds like your target population is really different from the kinds of clients that Lane tends to work with and is different from the kind of clients that I tend to work with. But you know, I, I love hearing about how other coaches coach um, because you know, everyone has their own way of doing things and for me it's I can I feel like I can always learn from other coaches, other professionals, and even you know, even if I don't agree with everything, then there's still I feel like there's still something that I can take away from from other approaches and other beliefs and other thought processes.
2: Of course. Well, and you know, my my approach right now probably wouldn't work um you know, concrete in the in the way that you need to coach your clients and the position that they come to you in. Um, you know, kind of by default, I've, I've I've distanced myself from working with a lot more of the physique-oriented people because you know they they often come to you with you know short timelines and they yeah. they have false expectations of stuff. And I've I've distanced myself naturally just by saying. Do you know what? I just I can't deal with working with people that with that mentality. I want to open up people's brains. I want them to take time. I want them to learn about their body, and if, then if we want to go down the physique route, then then we kind of do it. We optimize it, and we go for it. Um, but for me, there's always the health process first, and every competitor who I've uh, uh, coached, I've always taken them through like a good six months of rehab what I will we'll call it rehab before I've started because there's potentially been some metabolic dysregulation, they've had an unhealthy relationship food, yeah. they've got gut issues, they've got immune problems, um, they've got some kind of symptoms, and the thing is, all those things will compound how hard it is to get really lean when things get tough.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the points to, to keep in mind is, like Ben, you and I kind of do things almost oppositely in that... <laughs> You, you do an elimination to start, whereas I say, well, let's see what the minimum amount of change we can make to your diet to get the maximum uh, benefit to it. And the point is that we're, again, different populations. I'm working with a lot of people who have uh, been, you know, have eating disorders or are frightened of foods, all this kind of stuff, you know, and they'll, if I take somebody who's, you know, uh, a competitor who's, you know, scared that a jelly bean is going to make them blow up 10 pounds and I say okay let's just eliminate all junk food I'm going to send them right into a place that they don't need to go yeah. um, and by the same token you know, if, I, if you take somebody your, your line of thinking I guess if you take somebody who's just used to basically eating you know, pretty terribly with no kind of mindfulness of what they're eating it's like alright well let's show them kind of where they, where they feel like they can go with, with a change See if they feel a difference, and then they, from there can help build their confidence.
2: Totally, and I suppose I need I need to be honest in the fact that I don't often coach a lot of those um, individuals that I'm talking about. Like a lot of people don't come to me eating junk food. If if I was um, I don't do much coaching anymore because my work is primarily teaching. So I'm teaching. The reason why my message is what it is is because I believe personal trainers need to take their clients down that route. And so my message is that I need to get personal trainers bought into what I'm saying because the personal trainers are the guys on the front line getting people coming to them eating these kind of diets. So I'm not quite that guy. That's delivering that kind of coaching-based practice, that methodology. Um, but I'm teaching people that I need to deliver that information. If that makes sense.
1: Yes. So Ben, one of the other things you talked about too was um, you um, you you work with a lot of people who have have issues with uh, food allergies, correct?
2: Um. More so intolerances rather than allergies, because allergies Sorry. usually, you know, as you know, a bit more of a direct, mm-hmm. you know, you'll know if you've got a nut allergy, for example.
1: Okay. So you and you like to do the same approach, start them with an, el- an elimination diet and then kind of add stuff back in to see what happens?
2: Yeah, definitely. And And if people present some kind of issue... A lot of the time, it, it can kind of be fixable. There might be some issues with the gut, the immune system. They might just need a rest from the food. They might need to exercise some food rotation because they're over consuming the food. Like you know, there's an awful lot of people that eat the same food every day. Um, you know, quite yeah. often for you know yeah. three meals a day. So sometimes you know, a real simple approach can help. Um, I'm a huge believer in improving gut health. Like huge believer, um, you know, bringing on sport essential supplements like probiotics, um, curcumin, um, uh, colostrum—things that you know rapidly improve the the ability of the the gut to absorb nutrients. That's, that's a huge area of my work because I just see so much profound shift in health change.
0: So Ben, what are the trends that you? that you notice when it comes to food intolerances because I know, I mean, um, I know, you know, people can have food intolerances to specific vegetables and things that they think, you know, that are supposedly healthy, but just don't agree with their own body. So are there any patterns that you notice?
2: Yeah. So the kind of big things I'll tend to look at, um, you know, gluten is quite, quite a big player. Um, whether it's actual gluten or the type of gluten, you know, there's great research to indicate that actually it's the type of gluten that we might be eating rather than, um, you know, huh. gluten per se. They've done research studies where they um, got emma and n-corn wheat, which is the wheat that we used to eat like hundreds and thousands of years ago. And, you know, people ate that wheat and had no problems whatsoever. So is it something to do with the processing, the genetic modification? Who, who knows? Um, it, again, it's research that has no clarity as of yet. Um, dairy, uh, FODMAPs, um, certain types of fiber, <laughs> overconsumption of fiber is, yeah. is one that people really don't kind of consider, especially when they go on a big health kick yes. and they have tons and tons of veggies. You know, that that takes a lot of digestive effort to process all that matter. And then nightshades uh, probably as well. So they're probably the big areas that I will kind of investigate on with a client.
1: I think that's good that you brought up the fiber thing because a lot of people they think that just, oh, I you know I if I just eat more fiber because fiber is good, <laughs> I'll feel better. And the fact of the matter is, I mean, I've got clients who are extremely sensitive to fiber. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got one that if she goes much over twenty-five grams, I mean, she gets really bloated, and really. Wow. And um, I had one person who came to me, and they were like, "You know, I really think I'm, uh, <clears throat> that, you know, I really—it's again one of those associations things, Ben." And they go, "I really think I'm—I'm." I'm, uh, so two different ones that you'll probably appreciate. I had one who they said, "You know, I'm, I really think I'm—I'm uh, I'm allergic to rice." I was like, "Well, that's weird, because that's, that's pretty hypoallergenic." Mm-hmm. And. uh and I said, well, you know, I kind of went through what she, what she was eating. Well, it ends up she was eating like half a pound of broccoli with every time she Oh, my ice. goodness. And I'm like, um, no, you're bloated because your GI is backed up to your esophagus because you're consuming <coughs> so much fiber. So here, here's the deal. Um, chop down to 25 grams of fiber a day and let me know if you feel better. And two days later, they were like, oh, my God, I can't believe how much better I feel. I'm like, yeah, amazing how that works, isn't it? And, uh, and then another person was convinced that um, she was allergic to gluten and, uh, and, 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 and uh, dairy. And I said, well, I was, and, well, no, I'm sorry, it was just gluten, It was just gluten. Well, I kind of questioned her a little bit and, and come down, come to find out the only time she was consuming gluten was when she was binging on something mm-hmm. that was bad, that was, you know, had gluten in it. And I said, okay, well, here's the deal. Go out and have two pieces of bread tonight and let me know if you still feel the same way. And the next day, she's like, oh, my God, I'm not allergic to It's like, yeah, well, and I think that's why, you know, especially for people who have really severe allergies, an elimination diet can actually help as a scientific process to determine exactly what is giving you problems, you know? And I think that's, would you agree, Ben, that that's kind of, because if you're trying to figure out everything while you're eating your whole diet, there's so much, so many ingredients in food and so many different things that can cause issue, you're not going to be able to figure it out just kind of seeing what you do day to day with your diet
2: oh, of course and that's why you need to take a client to a point where they are eating a very natural diet you know pretty much hundred percent of the time because you do really need to be aware of all the variables you know if someone eats chicken and broccoli and rice you can very quickly identify where the problematic ingredient or overconsumption of that ingredient might be because there was three ingredients so that that process des- definitely has to be maintained you're, you're totally right but what's interesting as well is is kind of the context of the argument in that uh, you know a lot of your work you're, you're totally aware of what I'm talking about and I'm totally aware of what you're talking about. But the population again of people that you, sp- you kind of speak to you know, these conditions aren't really as much of a problem, the whole intolerance thing, because of, you know, who you're working with and the level that you work on. Mm -hmm. Because I'm focusing a lot more on the health side of things and getting trainers to help coach um, people that really are quite screwed, I focus a lot more on the kind (laughs) of tolerance, allergy, food, health aspect, because that is what the client needs and that's where they are.
1: Right, and that's, I think another thing to, to keep in mind is like, just like I'm not suggesting you should eat nothing but junk food uh, all day, Ben isn't suggesting that you should go on an elimination diet for the rest of your life. <laughs> and uh, I think that's what a lot of people miss: is uh, they'll they'll hear what Ben says and they'll go, "Oh, well, that guy's telling me uh, that I shouldn't, you know, I should never, I should never have any uh, any of these foods." It's like, no, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that this is something a useful tool for a specific situation.
2: Exactly. You know, there's no reason, if you don't have any symptoms, there's no health parameters that you're worried about, then there's no reason to alienate a food group. And, you know, this is something we're adamant about in our course because we go down, a. uh, you know, we go to a huge amount of effort to show trainers how to coach clients and rid them of, of, of kind of certain things. But we say as soon as someone doesn't present any of these issues, that person should be able to eat whatever they want. Now yeah. we restrict them to certain quantities. Then again, that's a different matter. Yes, we're not going to stand there and demonize a certain food group, but we might stand there and say, "Do you know what? To eat this in a large quantity is it's not going to be ideal."
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Of course, and that that's also why I say one of the things about flexible dieting is it's completely self-regulating. Because, for example, people say, "Well, Lainey, you just say I get all my all my all my meals from Pop-Tarts." know so no, because you're not going to be able to get enough fiber, you're not going to be able to get enough micronutrients, and yeah. you're not going to be able to hit your protein, carb, and fat intake That's when right. you're doing that. So people who say that, who try to imply that, you either don't understand how it works, or you're not actually following flexible dieting. You're doing something different. You're or or when, whatever you want.
0: when people say, oh, but uh, I like the idea of flexible dieting, but I don't want to eat Pop-Tarts. And we're like, oh my you God. don't have to eat Pop-Tarts. Like, hey. I don't...
1: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The point is, is that you, eat, you you don't have to eat anything you hate. You know, that's yeah. the point. Yeah. So why don't we take another break and we'll come back and, and wrap up this podcast. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get some more rants in and probably some more, uh, some more stuff about uh, entrepreneurship. You listen to Physique Science Radio. Hey guys, one of the things that's always on my mind is how can I give back to the industry that has done so much for me? That's why we formed the BioLane Foundation. The BioLane Foundation is a philanthropic initiative to raise money for grad school level research that is going to contribute to the fitness industry. And 100% of all your donations will be paid out to students. If you'd like to donate, you can go to BioLane.com, click on the About tab, and click on BioLane Foundation, and you can put your donation in through there. Or, if you're a student and you'd like to apply for a grant, go to BioLane.com, click the About tab, BioLane Foundation, and you can find the applications online there. Thank you guys so much, and I'm looking forward to all the great research that comes from these donations. You're listening to Physique Science Radio with Lane Norton and Sohi Lee. If you like what you hear and you'd like to learn more about us, read some of our articles, please visit my website at www.biolane.com and Sohi's website at soheefit.com. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you listening and hope to hear more from you in the future.
0: All right, guys. Welcome back. Over our break, we were actually just talking about um, all the rants that Ben—well, Lane too—but um, I noticed that Ben, you know, he he can go on rants every now and then. And I was telling him, I was saying it was really refreshing, um, to see fitness professionals going against the grain, saying, "No, I have a problem with this. This is wrong." Um, so Ben, <laughs> you and your rants, what what do you have? Um, what, what is bothering you lately with the fitness industry that really has you grinding your gears?
2: Well, I, you know, I, I don't know about right now. You know, people. I've got been getting this question quite a bit in podcast interviews that I've done, and people sort of say, you know, what's next in fitness? What annoys you online? And I'll be honest, I never really look at my Facebook feed or my Twitter. So so you
0: don't read your comments or anything.
2: I read my comments because you know I have a duty to engage in people once they've asked me a question and. you know, I'm there to educate. I'm putting myself out there as an educator, so I need to help people. But, you know, I can't remember the last time I looked in my Facebook feed because I'm busy. I've got stuff to do. I'm worried about my own thing. I don't want to get caught up in other people's mess. Um, I think, you know, we talked about uh, earlier about the if it fits your macros thing. Um, I spent, you know, a good kind of Good couple of Facebook posts about four or five months ago, where I was sort of arguing with a few people in the UK, in that you know I said you know people were taking a kind of chip out of me, saying, "Oh, how can you disagree with this? It fits your macros." I'm like, I don't. I practice it. Yeah. I just, I don't preach this whole, you like you know, junk, 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 I'm yeah. like, yeah, like the alcohol thing. And the reason why I rant about all this stuff is because I'm passionate about it. Sure. You know, if you see a fitness um, person online and you're looking at their work, you know, if, if they don't, if they're not really honest about what they're doing, if they're not being a bit edgy, maybe a bit controversial, I'd probably um, not follow them. 'Cause I think the people that have a bit of edge that are willing to be honest and upfront, they're passionate, they're they're gonna they're gonna question things. They're even gonna question themselves. Like I question the work I did three years ago. Yeah. And I should do because I'm keeping up with things, I'm trying to further myself and help other people. I'm never gonna stand here and say anything is absolute because it's not, it will always change. And you know, Lane's probably even more well versed to to kinda do that with his involvement ongoing involvement in research that when a new theory comes out we will change our opinion if there's a credible evidence to do so. Exactly,
1: exactly. That's the point and uh, that's one of the things I say to people all the time because they'll they'll say well Lane how do you reconcile this because you disagree with this guy and this guy disagrees with you. I'm like well yeah. I'm like what you think that no scientists disagree? Like I, Einstein disagreed with a lot of folks in, in, <laughs> in physics, and actually he, he ended up being wrong about some, well, at least we think he was wrong about some stuff, right, since you can never really prove anything in science. Uh, but that's, that's the point, is like, experts aren't always going to agree. It doesn't mean one person's a scumbag, it doesn't mean one person is an idiot, it just means they're, they're, that two people looking at the same data set may have different opinions. What I think is important is that if if, if overwhelming evidence comes out that a stance is not reasonable, yes. mm-hmm. that you are willing to change that stance. And there's not many people in the fitness industry that are willing to do that. I tell people, I'm like, you can go back and you can look where I wrote something down and said, Hey, do this. And I now no longer say that, you know, I, I changed my mind. And, um, I think a lot of people, um, uh, like I said, they're more interested in being right than they are getting the right answer. You know, At the end of the day, I'm interested in getting the right answer because I want to know it for me. Like I want to be the best I can be, you know? And so if I think something's gonna be better doing it a different way, I'm gonna do that, you know? And uh, I think that a lot of people miss that and that it's, it's the, the ego thing is so huge that they have to, you know, that you can't possibly have been wrong about anything um, that it, it just becomes a defense of something when there is no defense for it, you know? And that's that's to me, I, people ask, hey, Lane, how do I know if somebody is, is a good person to follow, if they're actually an expert, that sort of thing? And I'll tell people, like, a good way to, to know is if so- somebody's never willing to say, I don't know, mm, or yeah. they've never changed their stance on something, you probably don't want to follow that person because that's a politician, you know? Follow somebody, you know, I follow people who I'm like, they can say, hey, you know what? I was wrong on this thing. And uh, I think that's important.
2: Yeah. The funniest thing is, is, you know, all this stuff that we tend to, I'll I'll say argue, because that's what a lot of people want to do um, rather than converse. It's 10%. We're all arguing about 10% because if Mm -hmm. we're all half credible individuals, we should all stand here and say, right, yep. 90% 90% of the food people eat needs to be one ingredient foods. Uh, sure. We need to have a minimum protein intake. When you train, you need to train with intensity and purpose. Mm-hmm. Train by doing something you love doing. Make sure there's an overload perspective so that you're always progressing yourself and you're moving forward. Sleep right. Have a low-stress stress environment. Make sure you're hydrated. That's the 90% that oh, we yeah, have the foundation of in basic nutritional science but we, we argue about a 5% parameter and all of a sudden we're all jackasses.
1: <laughs>
2: because it's like, you know, that is ludicrous. And I'm like, well, hang on a minute. No, it's not ludicrous. We, we, you know, this is just a slight variable that we're arguing about, really. And people have to argue. They can't converse.
1: That's, that's very true. That's very true. Especially but, online. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's the thing is the principles are all still there. And honestly, people will say, hey, what's the biggest piece of advice you could give me on, you know, nutrition or training? And I'm sure we all said the same thing. Work really, really hard for a really, really long period of time. <laughs> and regardless of how you do it, you will get a lot better. You know, Dr. Doctor Jeremy Leneke, one of my friends, he's an expert on training, right? He's a He is a professor of exercise science. You know, find somebody who knows more about training than he does. Um, and he said, he said, we do science over the 10%. He said, you want to get stronger, you want to get bigger, lift weights. Over time, lift more weights. <laughs> and don't stop. And yeah. you will get stronger and bigger. And that's the 90% right there. You want to get leaner or you want to stay leaner, you want to have your better health, be consistent. You know, Enjoy your life, enjoy moderation, but be consistent with your nutrition. Uh, practice mindful eating, cognitive restraint, and be consistent. Do it every day, you know?
0: It's really that simple. Well, it was not that simple, but it's pretty simple.
1: It, yeah, it is it's that- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I think that's important. So, so um, Bennett, before we let you go, is there anything you want to plug? Anything coming up? Are you, you going to be at uh, at Body Power this year? Working? where can people find more about you? And do you have any seminars coming up, that sort of thing?
2: Um, Sure. I I will be at Body Power this year, but I'll I'll just be milling around. I'm not talking. Um, I'll be there on the Friday and Saturday, just meeting people, networking, saying hello. Um, Otherwise, events, we're kind of doing some stuff and we're doing some uh, training and nutrition camps in Spain and Marbella uh, this summer. So if if people want to uh, check out that in the U.K. Um, that's uh, over at Body Type Nutrition, along with um, our education program. So if you're a coach or you're a trainer or you want to get clued up on nutrition, the Body Type Nutrition Academy is something that will take you through a big certification journey in terms of nutrition. And if people want to find out more about me, bencumba.com. And as we've talked about, um, Ben Coomba Radio, it's the number one health and fitness show here in the U.K., And if you, you know, stick Vancouver into Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you will find me. I'll be that number one pick.
1: (laughs) The number one pick. Very cool.
2: (laughs) Well, um, and let me just reach out to you two and just want to say thank you for getting me on the show. It's a great honor and work um, that you're doing in the fitness industry is absolutely fantastic. I love what both of you do, the message that you have to your community um, and the wider audience. I think it's fantastic. So don't stop.
1: Thank you, Ben. We appreciate it. Can't stop, won't stop. (laughs) Nice. All right, Ben, will you take it easy, man?